0: Um, Well, good morning uh, or good afternoon, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast in 2021. Um, By now, you know my name. I'm Andrew Crow. Um, I'm the painful bloke that does all the talking um, on these podcasts. As I get a chance to talk to some um, absolute legends across um, our industry, hear some good news and understand, you know, what people are doing um, across Australia and even more broadly and across the world. Today is a really, really good podcast. Today we're not talking to a commercial entity, we're not talking to a client, we're not talking to um, you know anybody that's out there trying to make a million bucks in this world. But we're talking to people um, that come from you know soul of the earth um, reasonings. The the reason they're doing things are are genuine, and they're out there you know really helping people um, along, and particularly helping people um, after some of the the horrific and and terrible. Um, bushfires and floods and things we've had most recently um, in Australia, and we're going to continue to have, you know, forever. Um, so this morning, I'm really excited uh, and really pleased to have along Dean West from Disaster Relief Australia. G'day, Dean. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries at all. And, and I've been tracking you guys um, for, for a while, actually, and I'm really pleased we could finally um, get you on. So thanks so much for taking the time this morning to have a chat. No, no,
1: not a problem. I've got nothing else to do, so that's good.
0: Yeah, perfect. That's always good. Um, hey, Dean, before we, we get into Disaster Relief Australia, um, I, want to, I want to talk about you as well, um, first of all. So would you mind giving our listeners, I guess, the intro as to you know who you are and, and where you've come from and how the hell you ended up in Disaster Relief Australia as a volunteer?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, yeah, I grew up in Darwin, so that, that explains a lot. Uh, but I joined the military. <laughs> um, I joined the military, um, left straight from there to... Um, Sydney never caught a train in my life either. That was weird. Um, so yeah, ended up um, I was an infantry soldier, um, cool. and I was involved in a peacetime accident in Malaysia that unfortunately killed five soldiers. Um, and nice. did a lot of yeah did a lot of damage to myself. Um, so broke a lot of bones and stuff like that. And um, what I didn't know at the time, I had a lot of psychological issues, um, which soldiers cover up quite well. Um, so yeah, I was uh, medically discharged and sort of um, bummed around for a while actually, trying to sort out my life. Um, and then came along um, humanitarian work. So it was that sort of giving giving back um, that I, I missed in the military, that service above self, I guess. So I did some um, humanitarian work with the Grub Club, Matty Lock's Foundation um, yeah. over in Timor-Leste. Um, and that, that hit it really well. And then I saw an um, ad, I think, on Facebook for um, what, at, what was at the time, Team Rubicon Australia, um, which was an ex-service organisation um using military people and emergency services people for disasters so i i applied and yeah the rest is history
0: and here you are so you're yeah. remiss of me um not to ask who did you serve with um in the army
1: yeah 57 rr so um yeah <laughs> there's a, there's no rumors about the 57 so it's all it's all not true
0: <laughs> excellent so a big <laughs> shout out to all the uh, all the other veterans from uh from 57 rr as well that's um that's awesome. Um, so tell me though, so, so you joined uh, DRA, Disaster Relief Australia. Um, how did you get into the drones and, and what's your current role within DRA?
1: Uh, yeah, well, well, my current role is um, senior based pilot. So I sort of sit under Brent Hode, which is our chief pilot, um, and just help him with the day-to-day running um, of different bits and pieces. Um, and how I ended up, um, it was a weird sort of story. So, we do a lot of um, humanitarian stuff overseas as well. So I'd been to America for Hurricane Harvey and I was in the British Virgin Islands with um, Jeff Evans, our CEO. And one of the British guys um, there had a drone put up for situational awareness. And Jeff goes, shit, how good's that? We can work out because when you're on the ground in the disaster zone, especially the British Virgin Islands, everything was trashed. Um, there wasn't much mm. transport. So we were walking a lot of the places. And that sort of snowballed, um, Rich Adams came on board. Um, he was our old chief pilot, and he had a really good vision for drones. He had used it in the British military and um, Indonesia. Um, so we basically, uh, I think there was 10 of us at the start that went and did our drone courses um, through, um, I think it was AV Assist, so the CASA one. Mm-hmm. So we're all ticked off. Um, we set it up properly. And the Indonesian tsunami and earthquake, 2017, I think, that hit Sulawesi. Um, and me and Rich um, deployed over there um, to cover that with um, drones um, because Jakarta didn't know about liquefaction. They sort of knew what tsunamis and earthquakes did, but um, in Silowase it was a bit weird because it had um, liquefaction, so basically the earth turns into liquid and everything sinks into it. Um, So we went over there and covered that for them. So that's where it all started, and it's um, from from that sort of one-off gig, um, we're doing hundreds of flights a year now.
0: Yeah right. So, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's up, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It was
1: it's, a good um, snowball ride.
0: Yeah, and it's good to kind of hear how people you know find their way, I guess you know around the place, and then and then fall into some of these things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of volunteerism that occurs, and um, and I think it's it's fantastic that people find these sort of places in the world.
1: Yeah yeah, and it's good. I think it's that digger that digger mentality of if there's an easy way to do something, you'll push it. So I think it goes right back to Gallipoli and stuff like where they um, set up that periscope rifle and all that um sort of thing so there was an easy way of doing things so you could use drones as like an isr platform but the intelligence you can get out of it um is a thousand times better than walking around um ticking houses off so yeah it's that digger it's mentality yeah yeah it is yeah definitely especially with the earthquakes all the aftershocks were still going on um so mm-hmm. some really big aftershocks that were knocking down buildings still um so yeah they're a lot safer
0: so before we get into talking drones, which is I'm sure what most of our listeners want to hear about, but let's talk about DRA. So, so what is Disaster Relief Australia? What's the aim and mission, and, and what are you guys trying to do?
1: All right, um, yeah, I've got a little spiel here because um, <laughs> it was good. Team Rubicon. Yeah, it was Team Rubicon Australia up to about a year and a half ago um, because we were, um, it was a bit hard to try to explain in Australia what Team Rubicon was, so we took on a more of a, an Australian stance on it. Um, and sort of stamped our own thing on it. Um, So we are basically, um, we're a veteran-led organisation, relief organisation, and we use the unique skills and experience of military veterans and emergency service specialists. So we use um, the best of all the worlds and um, a lot of civilians as well um, that have unique skill sets. So we bring all those people together um, to respond to natural disasters in Australia and all over the world, basically.
0: So is it like a, is, is it an on-call organisation? So, you know, a lot of these people have got full-time jobs and um, they'll be called out, kind of, kind of you know, pseudo-SES kind of style, but a little bit different, a yeah. little bit more pointed? Yeah, yeah, pretty
1: much. So, yeah, we're Australia-wide, so we're a little bit different than other organisations like SES, the um, Rule fire they're all state-specific. Um, so we, mm-hmm. we're spread over Australia and we can um, surge um, team members to any state. Um, but pretty much Australia's got a really good um, emergency service response. So like you said, with SES and the fireys. So we come in in Australia in the relief stage. So we'll, we'll but, uh, bed in with them um, towards the end of their um, recovery and um, help them out. Um, so people, um, when SES makes it safe, we can go in and help um, homeowners, um, clear driveways, um, fences, put fences back up for um, paddocks. So we're, we've got a lot of arms to DRA. So the um, RPAS um, uh, side of it is only one arm, but it's um, it's getting bigger and bigger.
0: Okay. And I guess that's what we're here to talk about. So let's talk about the um, the RPAS arm of, of DRA. Would you mind, um, first of all, kind of explaining, I guess, the structure of the RPAS arm of, of DRA? You mentioned the chief pilot before. And, and so yep. how does that kind of work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we set up. So what we learned early on is you play by the rules, you get invited back. Okay, so you have to, especially with government organisations, that you have to have to show them that you're a professional and that you will play by the rules, so they can actually leave you alone and not worry about you. Um, you don't want to be a cowboy in the space, so um, we do that. So we got our chief pilot, um, Brent Hobe. Um, he's ex-military as well. Uh, actually, a lot of them are. Um, then we got two senior base pilots, so me and Luke. Luke's over in WA, and then we got our um, our APAs. Uh, we got chief maintenance officers and stuff like that. But we got. We got roughly 30 to 35 pilots and then from that arm um, as well we got image analysts so the people that put it into a data package that different governments can understand we've got about 40 40 image analysts that will go through our data that we collect um pull out i don't know um, rubble piles for buildings um stuff like that. so the perth fires um so we can tell the local council all of a sudden you've got about two and a half million tons of um, rubble going to turn up at your uh, your your waste facility um, you're going to have to think ahead and maybe open another one, and that speeds up that recovery so they don't get caught out. Um, but that's just one of the things. So yeah, our image generalists, and that's how we all sort of sit. So we all work working together, and Australia wide, we just fly everyone around uh, where's needed.
0: That's awesome, and, and I think the whole image analyst piece is really interesting and, and really important. Um, you know, I- imagery is great, but kind of gives you nothing um, unless it can be yeah. analysed into some level of intelligence. So um, that's, it's an interesting step and an important step that you guys have taken.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just a, like um, the RPAS stuff's at the tip of the iceberg, that uh, top 10%. It's the intelligence that you can get out for all the different departments. So in a natural disaster, you've got... Um, Twenty or thirty different departments wanting different information from the same pictures. So you got roads. Okay, you can take um, uh, mapping of a, a town, and you got like Department of Roads after it. Power, um, town planners. We got water, water sanit- sanitary devices. We got um, SES and emergency services looking at egress and aggress, um to get into towns, um, all that sort of stuff. So floods. Um, so yeah, you, you, our image analysts sit down, and we we spit that off to everyone. And um, yeah, we're, we're starting to do. We got a couple of different stages in the image analysts, so one, two, and three. So they just step up their skill sets, and it actually helps the soldiers and everything um, get back into full time work and everything as well. So it works out well.
0: So the image analysts are they? Um, they're not necessarily you know fully fledged qualified ex RAF image analysts, are they? They could be anybody, you know, any any. Yeah, they actually comes work in
1: and,
0: and do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, we've got a good mix, actually. So we've got a good mix of, like, me, I had nothing to do with um, technology, um, and I've done the image analyst stuff, and it took me a long time to get my head around it. Um, but I can see the benefits. It's that digger mentality again, like, oh, I, um, I can do a lot of work with a little, little bit of um, image analyst stuff. Um, but, we, yeah, we've got proper Rafi, we've got um, proper GIS specialists and stuff like that, um, and that helps, brings a mix. Like, they're, they're sitting up here with their level of information and then I'm down here saying, look, but a layman, a layman needs to understand this, okay? What you're talking is way above my head, and if I'm going to present this to a council or something, I need it a bit down at my level. So it, it works out w- really well, actually.
0: Yeah. And, and so I think some people will be interested because there's a lot of organisations that are spread right across Australia and, and you guys are spread across Australia, just a volunteer organisation. How, how do you manage your currency requirements and those sort of things when you're spread so thin?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we have um, in every sort of we got seven um, DRTs, which is disaster response team. So spread out Australia, major major capital cities, and then we got Townsville, and I think that's the only one that's not a major city. Um, and we have drones in all those places. So one of my jobs as a senior base pilot for the the southeast coast is um, put put together just fly days and stuff like that. So we'll put together fly days. Um, it'll come up in ABCRM that you're um, you coming up to your competency and they can give us a ring and i can go down and, and go for a fly with them and stuff like that so um we've managed to keep on top of it quite well a lot of the guys in dra are actually drone pilots in their full-time careers so that's a good thing as well like we were talking about that image analysts the skill sets the drone guys we got northern territory um drone coppers um that work yep. for the police we got um the surf life-saving guys um we got telstra Telstra workers, is we got um, New South Wales Fire and Rescue drone operators, um, so a lot of them do do their own stuff in their own time.
0: And so I guess their currency from their civilian work would come across, you know, and meet your currency requirements as well. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. So I do um, drone work for QFES as well. So yeah, so a lot of my currency goes both ways.
0: Okay, cool. And you mentioned um, AVCRM before, and I'm a big, yeah. big fan of, of their platform and, and uh, you know the work that, that John Jonny King's doing and Isaac's doing down in uh, in Wollongong. How how do you find that platform? You know, do, do you guys find that um, useful and 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 how do you tend to use it?
1: Oh, it's excellent, mate. Yeah, yeah. So as a uh, uh, one of the senior pilots, it's so much easier to keep on top of everyone. Um, their comp- uh, competencies, their um, the documentation that they're signing and reading and stuff like that, and then just the JSAs and stuff to go go through it uh, because a lot of the time um, disasters are quite fluid. So you might mm. um, set up uh, before you get there sort of an area and then all of a sudden that area is a lot bigger. So mm. you can just flick another JSA. You can give me a ring. Um, we can sit down and look at your JSA, manipulate it, and go, yeah, no, nah, that's where you're going now. So um, as a tool um, and use it on the go. So it, it, real-time stuff's unreal.
0: And I guess for you guys, um, a lot of your flights could potentially be non-routine, and or, or you know, floods and disasters are non-routine, so they just happen. Yep. So the ability for you to just jump online and go, "Yep, everyone's green and everyone's ticked in, in a box," is, is probably a big yep. enabler for you guys.
1: Yeah, and and not only out like the Black Summer fires um, where we flew down there, we had to get the incident commander's um, signature to fly um, with the with the air ass- uh, the manned aviation. So would have bombed that. So we'd send um, our drone pilots for the um, air ops briefing. Um, in the morning with the helicopter mm-hmm. pilots, and they'd all sit down together and um, um, split up the airspace, and that communication was excellent. And that sign off is what you need for um, flying in a, um, an active um emergency. Uh, ac- wait up, an active emergency um scenario. So yeah, it, it, and ABSRM and stuff like that's excellent for that.
0: Cool. Um, well, let's get into some specifics. So, so what are you guys using drones and RPAs or whatever we want to call them this week? What are you, what are you using them for? What types of activities and, and maybe some, you know, what sort of case studies have you got around the use of drones from, from a DRA perspective?
1: Yeah, um, so it's, it's pretty much what you can think on, on the date um, because it's uh, quite a new technology. So from Indonesia's point of view, um, we um, mapped. I think it was nearly eighteen hundred football fields of liquid refraction, um, and we could okay. work out uh, we could work out what infrastructure had um, basically disappeared into the ground. So hospitals, um, um, roads, schools, all that together um, with de- displaced people. So working off a UN type um, uh, census type um, thing, um, say four people to a house. Okay, if you lost eighteen hundred houses times four, this is how many people that can be displaced or missing. Um, and that information's that day, so you can you can send that without someone walking around eighteen hundred football fields ticking off houses. Yeah. Um, Philippines, we went over there and we did a lot of um uh, in the north of the Philippines a lot of um landslides. Um, they have massive um landslides in the north of the Philippines because it's really mountainous country, and they unfortunately lose a lot of a lot of people um because there's not many places to build houses that are flat. Um, so they lose a lot of houses so we're able to fly a lot of that area and use um, we use drone deploy and the topography uh, model in it. We could actually pick up cracks in the top of the top of the mountains that may may get waterlogged and um, slide off the slide off the side of the hill. So we're able to do that and that was just by okay thinking okay what what would um, the government need to um, evacuate a village They'd need um, hard evidence um, of what's going on. And then stuff like um, we've done bushfires, floods, um, cyclones, everything like that. It's, it's basically walking into the IC and trying to find out what their problems are. So um, do they have, um, I know there's um, in disasters there's a bit of an um, information vacuum right at the start. Mm. Um, we, can, we can help with that, okay? If it's just, okay, you just want videos and pictures, we can um, live stream that back to you now, okay? We can go sit on a hill with the internet and we can live stream where it's flooding right now. Um, or bushfires, uh, will, in the black summer bushfires, um, damage assessments, okay? We can be uh, five kilometres behind the fire front and we can be doing that um, damage assessment safely and a lot quicker um, than someone driving around because a lot of the roads were blocked and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's endless, basically. So And you find stuff when you're out there um, that you go, oh, that might be good for the road. So we did the Port Macquarie floods um, oh. just a couple of months ago um, and we're doing um uh, landslips um and we're doing landslips so they can come and clear the roads and where we're flying a lot of the places were underwashed as well and um they wouldn't have been able to get big machinery through there so you think okay we're going to have to actually start measuring some of these roads and um for egress and agress for people to get bulldozers in because they're not they're only going to fit a little bobcat in here mm-hmm. and you make that up on the fly so yeah it's just it's endless basically
0: and I think something you just said then is is really important. It's about understanding where are the information gaps, where where's the information, you know, the the information requirements that that commanders don't have, and then going and, fill, and filling those. It's not just flying for the sake of flying and putting drones up. It's really understanding what's that problem that's in in the commander's mind and and trying to you know fill that. Is that is that how you sort of think about it when you look at taskings? Yeah,
1: and the and the military and emergency services background we got there. Um, fills that gap really easily. So you know, um, military guys—they sort of get a job, and it just has to be done. So we'll get a very vague. Okay, we need um, these two suburbs. We need information, and off you go. And it's up to you to sort of build that information. Okay, what would they be looking for? Okay, so and and go from there. And and doing that image analyst side of stuff as well, um, sort of brings that in back into your forefront. Going, okay, what are they going to do with this information? Okay, this is how we this is how we can um. This is how I can video and take photos um, so they can actually see it through my eyes instead of just having a, a, a map from the front. You can actually do fly-throughs and stuff like that. So um, I know the floods in New South Wales, some of the banks of the rivers, um, mm-hmm. we couldn't map because our overhunter so will fly fly down the river system to show them the banks where they're washed away for the roads. Things like that that uh, wouldn't have been picked up from a normal normal flight.
0: And so, I think bushfires are probably still at the forefront of everyone's mind as as well from um, from early last year. Um, can you can you give me some some ideas or some case studies of, of some of the things you did as part of that? Was it about uh, bushfire front mapping, or was it more about the post bushfire you know recovery and, and information gaps?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, at the start, it was the post. So, in the Black Summer fires, we went. We basically followed the fires down um, all the way through northern new south wales southern new south wales into victoria um, so yeah, it was all sort of um just behind the fire front so it was all damage assessments um roadage um power lines down um, stuff like that but we've been we're starting to be approached by different um government organizations to do um more hands-on work through the fires so okay they went over to um one of our last um jobs was the wa fires that had just happened this year um and i think they did something like 110 flights um, and the government, the WA government's going, oh, can you use the drones for this and this? And the, we're going, yes. So they'll get called more on. Um, basically, because I've noticed that government organisations, it takes a lot to build a capability and a long time to build the capability where NGOs are a lot, lot quicker. They don't have that um, overarching layers. Um, so mm-hmm. we, can, we can fill a gap. And that's what we do in DRA. We just fill gaps. Um, and once once they're happy we can move out um, we've done our job we can go somewhere else um so yeah so we're getting um the black summer fires yeah we did um thousands of um maps of um um burnout structures towns like ratville and Willow Warren were really badly affected um so we did whole towns um, but you think about the intelligence that you're trying to get out of that the roads uh, just power lines down um mobile towers that have gone um they want to know because the mobile, all the data stuff in the mobile towers stood on the ground, how damaged is that, okay? And if we can, if we can get that information back to them quickly, um, they can send out the right tools for the right job instead of guessing. So, yeah, so, yeah, we're getting more and more use.
0: And so you touched on NGOs there, and it's something that I'd like to talk about as well. And we've seen, um, you know, the military has had such a massive um, role to play as part of the most recent disasters in Australia. And and some say that shouldn't be the case. And, and, and you know, the military is more about defence of Australia and less about recovery for natural disasters. We're kind of not here to debate that, I, I guess, in some yeah. respects. But um, why, why do you think they're always relying on the military in some respects? And why aren't they relying on NGOs and, and organisations like DRA to fill that gap? Um, it's, it's, I think
1: it's a little bit to do with the trust side of things. Um, overseas, like when I've gone overseas for disasters, it's all NGOs um, with, their, with their military. Um, so there's, um, especially in the South um, South Pacific region, there's, they don't have a huge capability of emergency services. So in Australia, we've got really good emergency services, so that initial mm. um, response. Um, but as we've seen with the Black Summer fires and that, um, we get stretched. Okay, the emergency services very quickly, um,
0: very quickly. Yeah,
1: and and it's not an endless endless supply of people, um, so mm-hmm. they get tired. So we've had to back it up with the military, and the military is really good at doing um, that job, but that's not their main focus. And it's going to come a time where a disaster happens and the military is is not there because they're doing their main focus. So we're having a lot of um, what we call blue sky meetings, so with councils and governments and stuff like that. So while um, while it's good and the resilient side of things, um, let's see how we can plug in. Let's do an MOU. So if you do have a problem, we can get here quickly. And we've built up enough of a bank um, over the last four four or five years. We've been, think, like we've had 17 domestic operations and five international operations that we've got enough of a bank um, of what we've done um, to be trusted. So it's just um, that, that government. So I was talking about those layers in, um, in different yeah. government organisations. There's many, many layers. And you just have to go through them and um, get to the person that makes that decision. So um, it makes fingers a lot of sense, crossed, we're
0: getting used more. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, there's no doubt that the military has a role to play in, in some of these disasters. You know, bringing in C 17s worth of equipment. I, I can't imagine DRA is looking at buying C 17s anytime <laughs> soon, and, and providing you know mass resupply, yep. strategic resupply. But you know, some of these, um, I don't, I don't want to say smaller activities, but you know, some of these niche capabilities that that can be used by NGOs, um, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, Dean, I guess the next question I wanna talk about, um, some, there's some specifics I'm interested in and I don't need all the secret sauce of what, you know, DRA is doing, but what sort of platforms are you doing? And, and is it the, the platforms that are leading to the success or is it the operation of the platforms that's leading to the success?
1: um yeah we use um uh, mainly the DJI products so the Phantoms um Mavics uh M210s and stuff we've got some fixed wing eB's as well so for some bigger bigger case sort of stuff and um, we and we're using um the 210 mainly for the thermal capability um for um uh, picking up uh, uh habitats after natural disasters and stuff like that um but it's I would say it's the training of the the pilots so a lot of people think that you can just train someone to fly and off you go, but it, the flying's only about five to ten percent of what what you actually do. So we put a lot of um, a lot of training into our pilots. So we do our own internal training as well, but we'll send them on um, advanced first aid courses, um, chainsaw courses, all that sort of stuff. Because in that remote, austere type environment, um, you need to be self-sufficient and get. If someone, if a government's going to give you a task, um, you need to get out there and do it. So if the road's blocked, you you need to be able to unblock it, okay? And sadly, a lot of the disasters, like you looked at the, um, I think at the moment we've got teams in uh, the Victorian Danganron Ranges after that storm went through there. And some of the trees there are massive. So if you get a job and can't actually get past it, it, you're not much use. So it's that that soldier sort of thing again. You get mission first. So um, we pump a lot of training, training and that image analyst stuff and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, most of our pilots are quite, quite um, layered with their training. So they can, um, they work with comms gear, uh, began um, satellite systems, um, all that sort of stuff as well. So we can get that information out. So yeah, it's fun flying. Um, but sadly, it's um, only about five or 10%, which no one told me before I started.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And uh, we, we sort of talk about that a lot internally too at, at Mirrigan and we sort of say, you know, there's, there's two aspects to training. There's, there's flight training, you know, how you actually go and fly and, and to be fair, that's kind of the easy part. You know, that's, that's the yeah, part yeah. where you just learn how to fly an aircraft and then you've got to learn to fight, you know, so how to actually fight the aircraft and fight the situation we're in to get the right information um, to turn into the right intelligence for people. So it sounds like you guys have kind of cracked that nut in, in some respects.
1: Yeah, I hope so. So um, that's why I think we're growing. So from Indonesia where we did that, did the mapping over there and now we're doing, um, God, it would be, I know this year alone, we've gone to uh, the bushfires in WA, um, the flooding in Port Macquarie and And the good thing about DRA, we're, we're allowed, we go back to places. Um, so we're not just a one-off thing. So we go back all the uh, bushfire recovery, Uribudela uh, Shire, Bega, um, East Gippsland regions and all that sort of stuff. We actually go back in because a lot of people are still suffering. So we're doing probably thousands of flights a year. Um, some of those are just for homeowners for insurance purposes, um, but some of it's um, for bigger organisations for um, resilience building. So we can fly. Um, we can fly stuff that's blue sky stuff now. Um, mm-hmm. So they got the before before images, especially if it's a bushfire prone area. And stuff like that, and they can, and their communities can start building resilience by working out. Okay, um, do we need to put buffers in around our new housing states? Um, how big will the buffer need to be? All that sort of stuff, and and we can give them that I- images quite easily.
0: Yeah, cool. So. Um... I want to talk about some barriers. So why do you, you know, I, I continuously see disasters that occur and I continuously see that, you know, drones can't fly here and drones can't fly there and drones can't integrate with manned aircraft and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, I, I operated and, and led teams in the Middle East in, in ridiculously complex airspace where yeah. drones and manned aircraft and manned fixed wing and rotary wing all just worked together and kind of made it happen. And we can't seem to crack that in Australia. What's, what's Dean West's, you know, opinion on why, you know, what, what are the barriers to using more drones in disaster operations? Um, it's seeing
1: is believing, um, mm-hmm. sadly. So um, I've, I've been lucky enough, same sort of thing. I flew um, drones in uh, black summer fires uh, with um, around all the water bombers and stuff like that. So we, it's basically once they saw that we were capable and professional, and we had um, standard operating procedures in place. Uh, so we would go in, like I said, into the air ops briefing in the morning and then we'd see where they're working on the fire line and then we would pick our spot. And with, um, we can geocase it, like geofence it. Okay, we're not mm-hmm. gonna go any further. Do you need us to um, put a limit on our height? Okay, if you don't want us working above 60 metres, we won't and our SOP on hearing a helicopter, we'll put it on the ground straight away. Get on the radio channels. It's that professionalism that builds trust. And we've been invited back to a lot of places to um, fly fly with um, manned aviation. And with my work with um, uh, Queensland Fire Emergency Services, that's exactly what we're doing with the manned aviation. Um, but it's it's not going to be a quick fix because you have to build that trust. And like, like you said, your side of things, um, if you walked into an incident command centre uh, and actually told them your history, about that, yep, this is what I did in Afghanistan. This is what I want to do here. You build that trust straight away, and the instant commander can go, "Okay, you're not a cowboy. Okay, I can trust you. Okay." But it's sadly, we have a lot of um, uh, people misusing drones. Um, mm. Different, different. Um, uh, I can't say who um, or anything like that, but people <laughs> that want to get photos for Instagram and stuff like that—that's the people that are doing it bad. But are you going to have a conversation with? Um, the government, like I said, they have blue sky meetings um, and tell them your background and your basically your pedigree of, of what you've done before and what you're doing now and it builds confidence and And people say, yeah, you're not a cowboy, we can do that. So I've um, same thing, I'm, we're still we're still um, working in disaster zones now with manned aviation. So the, I was at Port Macquarie where all the military helicopters and stuff were flying around um, getting imagery and we were doing the same thing. You just have to be proactive and actually uh, sadly we still have to sell that capability and you have to go in there and sort of sell yourself again Uh, but once people know that you're professional um, yeah you're pretty well and you can look after yourself if something goes wrong
0: Mm, i I love that quote i'm going to steal that mate uh, moving forward professionalism builds trust and i think that's um that's a really that's a really good way of summing it up in three words as to how you know we can get this this nut cracked a little bit quicker and a little bit better
1: and just having those meetings, inviting people um, that you wouldn't normally invite to, you might um, go and um, see, I know, one of the commissioners for uh, fire and rescue and stuff like that, but dig down a bit deeper and go, okay, who's the air ops guy? Okay, that's mm. that's who's going to be there on the day. Hey, mate, do you want to come out and have a show or can we come and have a chat to you? Okay, mm. so we might be working in the future. So why don't we get it out of the way now before it's a disaster and you've got no time for me because you're, you're, you're doing a million things.
0: And I think you're right about the cowboys and I think that, you know, this whole industry of ours that we're all passionate and invested in, um, you know, we're one cowboy away. We're one we're one incident away from the whole thing just getting, you know, shut down effectively. It um, yeah. doesn't matter how much good work DRA's done over the time. The minute some cowboy puts a, you know, puts even puts a Mavic into the front windscreen of a, uh, you know, McDermott helicopter, um, that's yeah. going to, you know, it's going to do huge amounts of um hurt to our credibility and I just, I don't think people appreciate that necessarily. They're all about themselves and their individual, you know, endeavours. Yeah. And you,
1: and you get frustrated like, um, you, like a lot of the companies that put um, time and effort and research into it, that's their livelihoods. But not mm. only that, the flip side of it is we can't help the people on the ground now. So, so we can't, we can't get that imagery or the intelligence to make that recovery process quicker. Okay. So um, we, we do a lot of, um we, um, when we go into an area of DRA as a whole, um, we go in as a self-sufficient unit. So we've got our strike teams, our IMT, and we'll tr- uh, triage jobs. So we'll get elderly, mm. a lot of elderly um, residents that have lost their home. So we'll go out there and um, drone their home for them, like do some imagery so they can send that off to their insurance companies without... Because mm. if you think about it, you lose everything in kind a of fire. So they haven't got the got all that sort of stuff to give. So they can just email it out to their insurance company without the stress. So you lose that, you lose that ability to help those, the elderly, the disabled, the, the single number with 10 kids that haven't, hasn't got a uh, roof over their head anymore and they're worried about a million other things. So, yeah, it, um, yeah, it pisses you off um, when you see, I've seen it um, when I've been um, working with um, Queensland Fire Emergency Services, other drones come in and just shut it back down. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's frustrating.
0: And I think the other one that um, we all appreciate, and I'm sure no one in this industry does, it's it's the it's the rubberneckers, you know, it's the ones who want to put a drone up to look at the fire front because it's coming towards their house. Fair yep. call that, you know, they've got the right um, they've got the right intended heart, but I, I don't think they appreciate just how dangerous that can be for people in your situation, but more importantly, people you know in people's situation in manned aircraft.
1: Yeah, and the manned aircraft, I and the industry, um, the manned aviation industry can use that against us unfortunately um and they're rightly to do so because there is those people yeah good intent um i don't know what the fix is um a lot more um training on the rules and stuff but that's um that's really hard to um uh sort of incorporate into things but um i knew when i started mucking around with drones and then i went and did the CASA course all of a sudden i went holy crap there's a million things i have to learn so it'd be good if everyone did the CASA course but um it's going to be hard to do that,
0: and I think it's an education piece. And I think you know we we brought cars in, and cars didn't have seatbelts. Um, you know, yeah. and then we've 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 made um, technological technological advancements more safe. And you know, we just need to work out how do we put a seatbelt on a on a drone to make it more safe yeah. for the operator, um, as well as you know others that are that are around the airspace as well.
1: Yeah, and that that um, intelligence and that they're doing with the the drone um, recognition and stuff like they can put up the, the bubble and and find out what drones are and stuff like that. And if I know um, all these people that do the R and D research can um, knock those out of the sky. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it will be, it will come to something like that um, where they'll, they'll self land them or something like that. And you will be able to actually punch into your, your part of that operation and your drone registration. So you'll still be able to continue to fly or geofence it it um, mm. over an emergency um, situation. I know they do that with manned aviation. So if there's a massive fire, they'll actually lock down that corridor over the fire. Um, yep. So no manned aviation will go. So something like that with drones, but it's going to be hard to the geo fence it.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely some county US systems that are that are kind of coming. And um, I think that's another. But but everything everything costs money, and unfortunately, yeah. a lot of these people don't want to pay for things; they just want it to turn up. So oh, I think yeah, there's, that's there's exactly a little bit of right. ways to go. Yep, 100%. 18, um, now you mentioned that there's a lot of veterans involved in in DRA. Um, when you say veteran, is it military veterans only? Is it um, you know police veterans, fire veterans? You know who yeah. who can join DRA as a volunteer?
1: Yeah, everyone, mate. So yeah, we we take everyone, um, even air force. So uh, but we're we learning.
0: <laughs> Good <laughs> um, on you guys.
1: Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but we we've got about our, our breakups about seventy five percent military veterans. Um, okay. About. About 15% um, emergency service, so fireys, ambos, um, police, federal coppers, doctors, nurses, all that sort of stuff, and then about 5 to 10% civilians. Um, but a lot of those civilians have um, family members that are military or a military background. So the good thing about DRA is you can, um, like we go away on deployments in the military and they don't get to see that banner and that connection, why it means so much to us. Um, with DRA yep. they can actually come your, your partners can come my adult kids have um, deployed on operations with DRA um, and cool. they've loved it and they've seen they've seen that banter and that joking and they sort of start getting it like oh this is why why when someone rings in the middle of the night you take off to help them out so yeah yep. but um yeah yeah our breakup's pretty good and the good thing that I try to tell people is we've got the 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 military and the emergency services so, the military is really going, to, going into disaster and getting shit done. Yep. Um, but the civilian side of that, they have to work in that AIMS framework. Um, so they have to work to a government sort of structure and having the, the, um, the emergency services guys there helps structures the military guys into what the civilians need us. And um, yep. and we, we're slowly working out that we're, um, it, it, it gives tenfold the amount of work. So they, they, they're really good, the emergency service guy and the civilians that come along with us um, have a massive passion that service above self, and it's like the best of best of the civilian world. And it's good; we'll never reintegrate back into society if we we stay a boys' club. So it's good mm. mixing with um, civilians of of a high caliber.
0: Yeah, and um, I guess one of the final questions: Where where do people go to get more info about DRA? How can they find out more? Or if there's a you know a drone enthusiast out there that would love to volunteer some time, you know, as part of your sort of branch within DRA, where, where can they get some more info? Yeah, yeah. Jump on our
1: website, so disasterreliefaustralia com um, um, But yeah, um, yeah. If, if you want to reach out to myself or um, Brent Hode, um, mm-hmm. if you put in that email that um, you've heard the podcast and everything, um, yeah, yeah. We're always looking for UAV operators, and it's a good mix. It's good. It's a good team. Um, we have a lot of banner, so we actually have a couple of Air Force pilots that we um, pay out on. So that's excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, Brent. Um, if you, Brent at disaster AUS dot um, I'll dive him in. So it's B R E N T dot H-O-D oh, H-O-A-D-E. So yeah, he's our chief pilot. Um, uh, but yeah, just jump on the website so you heard it. Um, we're, we're happy to take um everyone. And it's um it's it's double-edged. So one, it helps it helps um people in disasters, but it helps people like me after um my service where I had a lot of um problems with um uh, PTSD and stuff like that it gave me that sense of purpose back. So it's a a bit of a win-win.
0: Yeah, awesome. Hey, Dean, we might uh, we might wrap it there. I think we're, we're um, sort of hitting the, nearly the 40-minute mark, which is awesome. Mate, um, two things. Firstly, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's great to get people like you on, on the podcast and talk about the good news stories from the industry. Uh, but secondly, thanks to DRA more broadly for what you guys do. We we live in a country where natural disasters are probably going to be part of our lives forever. Um, and without organisations like yours, uh, you know, it's quite possible that, that things wouldn't. Um, wouldn't be fixed or, or wouldn't you know it'd be more difficult for people um around the place so mate thank you you know and, and your team in particular for the work you do in the, in the drone space no no thanks for
1: having us on guys and um yeah appreciate appreciate um listening to me
0: all right dean we'll uh, we'll talk soon cheers mate thank you thank you